Welcome to this week's Treasury Career Corner podcast, where I interview treasury professionals about their treasury careers. Each and every week, I talk to them about how they've built their careers, where they are now, where they see both themselves and the treasury profession going to next. Let's get on with the show. In this week's show, I'm joined by... Oh, hang on. It's a little bit different. It's a special edition, a feature show, if you will. So I'm joined by the lovely Joe Fawcett from the Treasury Recruitment Company, the equally lovely Craig Perkins, and Katie Hardy from the Treasury Recruitment Company. Yes, it's us and me as well, Mike Richards. What we're going to do today, it was a suggestion actually that not to be left out, Carly Larkin-Burks, that we do a bit of a sort of a market update, quarterly review, if you like, because as we approach quarter four of 2021, we're past pandemic, we're coming out of it, we're starting to see recovery in all markets and everything else, but it was focusing on then, well, what are the markets we cover? Some of our clients say, oh, we don't know you do junior guys and stuff like that. Yes, we do. Oh, do you do senior treasurers? Yes, we do. And so we thought, do you know what? We should give this back to you guys that listen to the podcast each and every week, just a bit of a review. It's not going to be sell, sell, sell. It's just going to be present, 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 tell you about what's happening in the market. We're going to focus on the main markets that we cover. So the UK, Europe, the US, and you know, uh, particularly some of the senior markets as well, as we start to see those recover. In addition to that, we're going to do the sort of triangle, if you like. Now that's you know the typical questions we get asked as recruiters are, what's the market like? What are salaries doing? And how do I make myself either as a candidate, the most attractive candidate out there, or as a client, how do we make ourselves most attractive so we can attract people so it's that sort of triangle if you like of and that's what i'm going to talk to the the team about today i'm going to kick it off with the uh, lovely joe Fawcett. not many people say that but you can't have everything mr Fawcett, joe so you joined the company a year or so ago throughout a pandemic you lucky man you've grown into your role done extremely well But as we look to the future and the recovery of the UK market, in particular, which you focus on and the junior side, what's it been like? And, you know, how does it go now? And then we're going to come on to graduate and evolve into salary. So over to you, sir. Yes. Okay. Well, like you say, Mike, you know, I've been here for sort of about a year now. Uh, so, you know, kind of very weird sort of initial stint in, in recruitment and treasury recruitment as a whole. In short, the market has kind of showed this, this sort of constant, gradual, slow progression since since September last year. I mean, initially when I first joined, you know, it was dead as a dodo, nothing going on. It was very much, you know, very, very kind of cutthroat as it were and kind of clawing your way to the top, trying to get jobs on. But now it's a case of actually kind of the opposite. And we're, we're, we're seeing it's, it's, like I said, very much back on its feet now. And We've actually just come out of an, what I understand is my first August here, but an exceptionally uncharacteristically busy August. And, and especially if yes, from a company point of view and from a market view as a whole, uh, it's been exceptionally busy and it's, it's kind of clearly returning to somewhat something we can call vaguely normal. <laughs> when you say busy, obviously a lot of the time operational roles, you know, people are moving around early stages of their careers, they're making that move, coming straight into the sort of salary question, if you like, how has that started to come through? Because I know that you've recently gone and started to go through a couple of offer processes and things like that, but someone will sometimes accidentally come into Treasury. They do their two years as a Treasury assistant, maybe an analyst. They start to grow their careers. Are you starting to see that reflected in salaries when you're talking to people? Because you've got that knowledge. You're talking to candidates and they're saying, oh, I'm not being paid enough or are they, you know, is it studying or things like that? What, what, what are the 
general things you're seeing from salaries? I mean, I'm not sure if you're probably aware, Mike, but you know, we obviously are running our, our, our global salary survey and you really? know, just 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 uh, looking at some of the results from that, especially at the junior junior sort yeah. of level, something I do see if you were to sort of looking for that next step, looking for that sort of pay rise and, and looking to progress as treasury professionals, there are absolutely things that uh, that companies have, have taken, that, you know, really take a look at and prioritize very much. For instance, you know, qualifications, AT, ACT examinations, I think are, you know, invaluable. I always encourage candidates to do it. Uh, it's a brilliant kind of concrete, something that you can have on your CV. Like I say, it just really shows that, you know, you are qualified. You do know what you're talking about. And, you know, it will make you more employable. Quite frankly, it, it means you can charge people a little bit more for your services. So, you know, as far as I'm concerned, it's a it's a win-win. Now, I do appreciate, you know, in a lot of cases, these exams are quite expensive to take. You know, I believe companies do offer subsidiaries for this and, you know, allowing people to, to, to take, uh, take the exams on, on the company's behalf, which is which is really good, and I definitely encourage companies to add that to, to, to packages, especially at a, at a junior level. The idea of sort of study support is absolutely huge and very valued in the in the market at a junior level at the moment. And I agree, and I've seen that a number of times. One of the things I'd add to that as well, and we've spoken about this just you know mainly. Obviously, early stages of your career might be where Canada's you're dealing with Joe and Craig will come into it in a minute. But a lot of the, the guys listening today will maybe early stages of career. They'll get that as exactly as you say, that sort of study support. But sometimes what I'm seeing as well is that, and I've seen throughout my career, is that people, right, great, get your ACT exams. We'll pay for them for you. And they're quite costly nowadays. And people are, oh, yeah, great, you get it. But what employers don't realize is it's two-year study you get through it you get a much better qualified treasury person and yeah. anything else and they've gone through that exactly. but i know that you suffer from it as well when you talk to some of the candidates they then knock at the door and say oh i'm a qualified treasury person now can i have a pay rise please and you know mid pandemic they were like no you're lucky to have a job are you seeing that as well yeah you know, absolutely, and and you know that has been an, kind of a bit of a, a bit of a problem, especially sort of over the course of the pandemic. But I think you know, I think that's fairly common. You know, I mean, who hasn't who hasn't suffered throughout the course of the pandemic? I think it's been fairly universal for most that it that it has been hard. And I do appreciate, especially at this sort of junior level, it is very difficult to find work. You know, you don't have the sort of years of experience that maybe some of the more senior treasury professionals have. You know, you kind of feel the need to sort of beef out your CV, but you don't know how to do it. And I can completely appreciate that. And you know, which is why. I say exams as a start are always an absolutely fantastic one to just to, to, to sort of have on there and and make you make you look that much more employable but also yeah you know i i think it's 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 really important to to sort of include all, all, all sorts you know you know roles that you maybe you've done at university uh, you know especially if you have had the, the sort of fortune especially in the last couple of years to take on a maybe a treasury assistant role somewhere you know over the course of the pandemic sort of making that sort of segue into treasury it's absolutely brilliant that you have that past experience or yeah like i say you know even if you've been a team captain at university or something like that, just a bit of bit of leadership experience, a bit of something that can sort of set you apart from the crowd, all sort of absolutely invaluable when it comes to when it comes to sort of progressing in the treasury industry. As you say, Joe, you're talking there about sort of beefing out your CV or resume and, and explain some of the stuff you've maybe, as you say, college, university and things like that. Yeah. One of the points that we then discussed actually was sort of a bit of a chat around. I've talked to Katie about this in the past as well. Do you, do you have, you know, your interests on your CV? So myself, we actually had this discussion in the office recently that I like having interests on your CV. I myself suffered from this. Uh, one of my first jobs when I was getting into treasury recruitment, one of my ex-colleagues, he said, oh, I saw in your CV interest Tom Clancy novels. 
And he said, you know, I hated them and I nearly threw your CV away because of that. So you need to be careful. And Craig, you talked about this as well, didn't you? About, you know, having your football team or avidly supporting someone. You know, you've got, what, what are your thoughts about having interests on your CV and stuff? That in itself is a, in particular, a good point, especially when it comes, and we have seen it where people put on a strong affiliation with such and such football team. And I mean, that, that could work into your favour, but more often than not, probably not. <laughs> I think is especially as we, we we move more into this kind of, you know, the, the part of the market I look at within that, that kind of mid-level within the UK, I guess it really just, it does depend. And it's quite situational depending on the overall kind of content within the profile. Yeah. I, I would say how many years of experience you've got, that kind of tenure in the market to whether or not it, it's worth, you know, it, it is worth putting on there. I think you might be, you know, to, as, as we move into this kind of sector, you may, it may be better off putting information on there around maybe some volunteering work that you do or you've done or, or bits around charity or stuff like that, potentially. It just depends. It's quite a situation when it's saying that we, I actually discuss on a one-to-one -one basis with, with the candidates when we're going through a process effectively. I love that word affiliation. It's like if you're showing a strong affiliation, you can get move into this, as we call it in recruitment, this horns and halo effect. Horns effect, you like the devil. They say, no, really hate them. Oh, I hate that rugby team. I hate them, blah, blah, blah. Or halo. Oh, I love them, you know. But are you going to, just like with personal statements on your CVs, which I hate and I'm, the guys know this, you can see numerous videos about it. Why flip a coin? You know, why do a 50-50 and go, oh, they're going to hate that. So if in doubt, leave it off. You know, don't don't include it if it's something as a good talking point as well, particularly in the early stages of your career that, you know, I think going back to Joe and we'll continue just about those sort of just the junior guys to wrap up with Joe. What tips would you give to the interests for the junior guys and stuff like that? So you're coaching some of those junior guys coming in. They're listening today. Some of them. What are the things that you would, when you're talking to them, you see a CV comes in, oh, this is a really good standout one. Or this is one, whoa, this needs work. This needs some good Joe advice. You know, you try and do it gently, but sometimes you do have to do it with a heavy hand sort of thing or a big stick. What sort of have you seen, if you like? There's all sorts of kind of issues when it, when it comes to kind of CVs. I mean, obviously, appreciate the senior level. You guys will deal more with, you know, people maybe putting too much on their CVs. You know, you're talking four, five, six pages long. And, you know, to that, you say kind of take out everything from the last sort of uh, sort of 10 years or so. But obviously, from a junior point of view, the actual fact is it's very much the opposite. You know, they are looking for ways to beef out their CV. And they're almost thinking, oh, God, I obviously you include your A-levels, you include your GCSEs, include what, you know, maybe, maybe what college you went to, universities, degrees, you know, all things like that. But, you know, you could think of that you you can possibly add I and mean, I do appreciate it is difficult especially if you haven't maybe haven't had a treasury role yet or maybe you've just done a sort of treasury internship or or even just done a year as a, as a treasury assistant somewhere and sort of just fell into it I think a huge part of it is the qualification side of things you know I hate to hate to kind of babble on about it but seriously you know it is it is something that employers will look at uh, it is something that you know is 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 so sort of it, it is it is what it is you know there's there's yeah. no it can't be anything else it's got an ACT qualification you know uh, it's very well respected and you know I absolutely like I say I always encourage encourage candidates to do that but there is also the you know the idea of kind of that's obviously that's that's very standard and, and that seems sort of obvious in many ways you know trying to get into treasury get a treasury qualification but uh, there is also this idea of yeah you know when you're at university did you do anything that might be be yeah. seen as being a bit more sort of a bit more interesting in that respect and could kind of set you apart from the Crowned. yeah were you were you a captain of a football team did you did you sort of manage manage a, yeah a team sport of some kind you know i appreciate in 
in your case, Mike, I do feel it's a, bit, it's a bit bad, maybe a bit harsh that you were nearly thrown out the door just for liking Tom Clancy. And I, and I necessarily wouldn't take such a strong standpoint on that. I don't think if you know, they, they say, oh, I like reading, I like football, I don't think it's necessarily make or break. But in many ways, you've got to ask, does this add anything to my CV? Oh, I like reading. Yeah. In many ways, it's not necessarily going to sort of count you in necessarily particularly good stead just because you like reading. So yeah, you know, there's, it's a key thing about, you know, it's got to be relevant. What are these transferable skills that you've learned through university through life that you can actually then bring into bring into treasury joe's touched on the word there that i was you know and it's great actually relevance i think that's the key thing is that when when i put our heads together and i've sort of given you advice about oh, what should we do about this cv it's about what's relevant you know that that interest level wasn't really relevant you know actually you know, there's some things that were relevant playing rugby and you know team sports and that shows the things also we you've talked there joe about treasury qualifications brilliant yeah great but also there's accountancy qualifications and accountancy degrees Absolutely. and things those are relevant to the reader again thinking about your audience that's the key thing that we've we've both gone about it's lovely talking to you joe and we could talk to you all day but no let's move on it's a pleasure <laughs> as always mike i shall i shall yeah, leave you to the, to the rest on. of the staff well, it won't be as interesting as me but uh, i'm sure you'll enjoy it nonetheless so Craig, the beefcake, personal trainer as well. Yeah, so that's right. You guys might want to connect to him. Craig joined me back this past year doing extremely well, experienced recruiter. So apparently knows his stuff and he's showing it very rather well, I would say. As the market has started to get back on its feet, Craig, you're starting to see a return to life. Talk us through how you've seen your side of the market and then we'll come on to you know, we'll talk through salaries and things like that. And then we'll talk about your, your specialist subjects or, you know, the one we chose for today. So, so Craig, what's, what's it like out there? Yeah, no, thanks, Mike. It's been quite an adventure, to be fair, since obviously I came on board. I think it was around the beginning of May, sorry, if I remember correctly. And, and in terms of how I've, you know, seen the market, you know, going through, as you described, as to be fair, anyone who works in this, in recruitment industry, of course, any sector, typically August is a, it is a quieter time in the market, you know, managers kind of going away on holiday. I think the thing is, and what it's come down to with what I would call, let's call it the COVID catalyst and everything that's kind of gone on around that, it's, it's certainly changed things more dynamically in the market. And even though, I typically came from more of a project management kind of business analysis kind of background in my former life. What I can pretty much say that this has been the biggest or the busiest August I remember overall in terms of kind of the amount of opportunities that have been out there, but even more so the amount of candidates who have actually been making open inquiries who, to be honest, aren't actively looking, but are there's so much speculation in the market at the moment on a treasury basis in what I, what I almost term the kind of the musical chairs effect where you have got candidates who are prospecting different kind of opportunities they wouldn't have otherwise they wouldn't have otherwise done and this will and this will tie into kind of points you want to make um, a little bit later on around kind of the work from home kind of situation you know you've had a lot of people who have been sat at home for the last 17 18 months pretty much exclusively 100% and a lot of companies have are now looking at you know end of October, beginning of November, want to get people back in. And that is spurring a lot of people to see what's out there and have and inquire. And that's and that has had a big knock-on effect in terms of the way things are. And that's why we've had a lot of, there's a lot of holes that have opened up in teams, a lot of restructuring that's happened with these transitions back into offices, which is absolutely happening right now. And that's just caused, you know, quite a dynamic effect in terms of where things, I mean, it's, it's certainly been busy from my end. Mm-hmm. And as kind of mid-level senior treasury analysts, treasury managers. It's, I'm assistant treasurers, which you've been doing 
doing, and some treasurers as well. You're sort of absolutely on their level, sort of thing. <laughs> Just one of the things there, and, and actually, I think it's worthy of mention. You talk about this, and and, and Katie cover a bit more later about working from home and that sort of newness of it. You know, we mm. relaunched our salary survey. Joe touched on it. I mean, I'll talk about it as well. Go to treasurysalary.com. Take part. We're approaching the 500 people mark, but it's a constant, you know, survey. But someone said, "Oh, when does it close?" It never closes. But the good thing is only the people that take part get the full results. Now, as I restructured this and relaunched it earlier this year, Craig perked up and sort of put it in. I said, um, can we just ask in there about the, the, the three working from home questions? I was like, really? You know, because three, four years ago, you know, the two questions were, what's the job? What's the salary? And where is it? Because you knew you would be based there five days a week and tiny bit of flexible working. Now it's... It's question number three, how often and how flexible am I going to be in the office? Not from home, in the office. And Craig, actually, you you helped me by pitching in with, and now we ask a question as just quick questions at the end. How many days are you currently working post-pandemic as we come out of it in the office? How many days is your employer asking you, but how many days do you want to do? I mean, you know, there's been a obviously that rise in number of people saying about remote working and things like that. So you've asked about that, Craig. But, you know, what are you seeing in terms of you start to see some of the salary results and things like that, but are you starting to see upward pressure on salaries at your level in the market as well? Well, it's a really interesting point, actually, you make around that kind of work from home flexibility, because ultimately, yes, you have got quite a few companies, companies that we've been supporting recently who have been more open to, you know, come in office less than half the week, you know, two days a week in office, or let's say like on a Monday and a Tuesday and the rest of the week from home. And what you're actually seeing is even though, you know, in the past, you'd have probably seen if a company was offering some kind of remote flexibility, especially if someone was starting a new job, that that would be factored into the overall kind of salary that they would be offered um, and the overall package. Whereas now, you know, we're looking at, we take treasury managers as a threshold, depending on where people are based in the UK. I mean, we've seen in in the salary results, as we've got at the moment, that can range from your, your low 50s, 50k end, all the way up to a senior treasury manager up to potentially over, over 90. Although in some companies, we look at that as a head of treasury kind of level, I think ultimately it's not, it's no longer a factor of, oh, you're working from home. So the, the salary we'd offer off the bat would be reduced because, you know, we're factoring in, we're not going to have to, there's going to be less travel time. You're not going to be spending money on petrol. The thing is a 60K job, I imagine, you know, a couple of years back to what it is now is still the same, despite the fact that you're not having to travel in. So really, if you look at it that way, there is that, there is that benefit and companies are going to request that people are on site or would like people on site five days a week, unless it's, you know, you live in London and it's, and it's, you know, jumping on, on, on a couple tube stations. The thing is it's still at that it's still at that value you know you're not going to be undercut because of the fact you're you're going to be working remotely so i think in that regard yeah I mean, there's definitely been an increase indirectly because of that but it, it's very competitive you know because that's standard it's no longer almost a benefit to go you can work two days from home anymore because it's almost expected <laughs> and i think that's 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 the significant difference in terms of that and how that affects the salaries which like i say haven't they might i think they moved up slightly in terms of where they're at but ultimately they, they haven't gone down at or given the fact that people can work from home two, three, four days a week. And that's also reflected neatly on the interview process, isn't it? Because obviously mm. everything throughout the pandemic was Zoom, Zoom, virtual, virtual, the lot. Now people are starting to do that new thing called meeting people, <laughs> having a face-to-face interview. How is that, seeing that starting to come back? We've done videos about this. We try and give coaching about 
what to do on a virtual interview because it's the same as you're still being judged. But whether it's a virtual interview or real face-to-face, you're being judged all the time. So you need to think about that. But what have, what's the knock-on effect you've seen when you know, you've been recruiting and coaching candidates, Greg? Yeah, well, it's a great question. And actually, I think where this also starts, and I'm going to talk about that face-to-face because that has absolutely been, and we've been kicking off face-to-face interviews over the last month now. And I guess part of those five stages of the interview process, that second, potentially third stage, is, is certainly almost expected, I guess, again now. And it's probably better, I think, in all angles, not both from the from the potential employer, but certainly from that candidate looking to actually be able to go in and physically see see the office. I mean, I, I mean we're, you know, we're hoping to be able to get back out there very soon and be on site with some of our clients again and, and see those premises. It's a lot nicer from our perspective to be able to tell a candidate off the bat what it's like there as well. You know, we've been there in person, so we'll be able to kind of get back to that soon as well. But certainly, and this is quite relevant, we've actually gone from a, a situation or certainly from, from my background uh, and from what I'm used to of first stage interviews, if you think about it, a, a lot of the time have been quick telephone calls, 30, maybe 45 minutes. The actual standard first stage interview has been for the last 18 months has been over video. So I know a lot of times I'll have that initial kind of screening call, but the initial screening call now you are, although not in person, you're seeing that person over video. I've always known for the most part from my background, the initial initial conversations usually were shorter. They were, they were telephone so even the initial stages as people have become accustomed to the fact that has been over video but certainly we are seeing that transition back in a face-to-face and it's the logistical side you don't people forget about oh okay because you you know you're going to have to make sure you're not wearing your pajamas like you know a lot of people will will stay in or you've got to make sure you remember you put your trousers on tom or or whatever that looks like but i think i think the the interesting part about it is that that dynamic and that shift back because also where we're coming out now from that that kona covid catalyst i mentioned earlier people are going back into the office now so it's not actually as easy to go oh you know i'm working from home i can slot something in my diary and i can travel half an hour interview travel half an hour back i've got to take two and a half hours out of my day the thing is now because there's a lot of transition back into the office people have got to plan around that as well so depending on where their companies are currently working around in that process they've also logistically got to factor the fact they need more time most people to be fair can jump on a video call almost the next day as long as they feel prepared for it and we put them in the best position to do that one thing i would say when it comes to the face-to-face and one thing we, we absolutely do and i think everyone should do in our position is making sure that we're jumping on video calls with 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 all people going for all roles who are going for anything face to face to talk over any, any kind of concerns how people are feeling about that and just making sure you know, every party is happy in that regard but we, we're, we're seeing a lot more requests for face to face interviews again now which I think is great it's yeah. much better much better for the world. candidates of the companies absolutely yeah. you, you get a much better feel for the culture as well when you, when hopefully when you're there as well well I'll get quizzed a little bit later by Craig and he gets his own back in a little bit but uh, well I get my own back and uh, get to uh, go move across to the lovely Katie Hardy uh, Katie focuses on well, it's our, our global efforts, if you like, supporting me, but originally and as focused, and we've been prior to pandemic going to things like called conferences in Europe, oh, those days. <laughs> so focuses on Europe and also as our US business is rapidly growing and developing right the way across from the east to west coast. Uh, she's been supporting me on that. So, Katie, European markets just come out of the the summer, which is obviously closed down for lots of places. You know, whether now you're working from yeah. home or not, what, what's it been like for you? What's what's the state of the markets out there? 
I think Europe, what we found at the beginning of this year, it was sort of more on the back foot in terms of a market recovering from COVID. A lot of that was to do with the whole vaccination side of things. So it's taken a while for Europe, if you like, to catch up. And I think then it started to pick up again in April and we had a couple of months where positions were coming through. But then obviously, as you've just mentioned, summer hit. And I think this year, particularly where people haven't had the chance to go away, they've suddenly, it's been a priority. So it's completely closed down the whole of August. What we've now seen coming into September and, you know, it's definitely suddenly accelerated. So there's a lot of, everybody seems to be refreshed. Everybody seems to have looked at, you know, what their plans are for the next 12 months. A lot of clients are looking at sort of restructuring, taking a lot of the transactional side of treasury out and recreating treasury teams that are more strategic. That's their focus. I think also they're looking very much around the future growth of the business and the best sort of structure to be able to support that growth. So it's definitely picked up, but it's taken a little bit longer than when we looked at obviously the UK and the US market. I want to give a a practical example and come back to Katie. She doesn't spotlight some of her, her brilliance, but what I mean by that is throughout this summer you actually executed one of our you were contacted by a US client who wanted someone to be remote working but a German-based candidate for filtration group and say that now because we placed the job and everything else because also I think that impacted on salary as well you know because it didn't negatively you know this lady in America needed our support can you just outline a little bit you know without you know, mean too much about the company and stuff but you can actually explain to some of the listeners because a practical example of what what you started to see happening from as the market recovers a, a proper job properly recruited during a summer period bit strange you know for, for both of us but you talk us through that yeah <laughs> The situation was very much that, you know, the filtration group are part of a a massive corporation and they've got sort of a huge amount of entities, but they don't have sort of a centralised team to look after recruitment. So, you know, we were approached about that. And actually, I have to say it was probably one of the most refreshing processes (laughs) that I've worked on. It was very straightforward. There was a lot of advice and really close partnering with the business. But actually, what we found and actually it touches back on what Craig's talked about is actually the process was all remote so it was virtual interviews and things like that but what I found was whilst the majority of the candidates that I spoke to were actually on holiday themselves they were able to work around their holiday to have a virtual interview with the client so you know one of my candidates actually said oh you know I'm going to have to take time off the beach to be able to have that interview but it happened and, and it and it worked and you know it meant that we didn't lose any time which was really well we had time yeah we had time constraints so actually the process worked really well and you know there was three stages and I personally was on holiday as well not on a beach but you fit it in and it made it so much easier than having to try and set up somebody flying somewhere to go for an interview face to face. And then salaries wise, have you started to see 
some movement around that? Are they starting to hang bonuses or salaries? You would start, you're starting to see, you know, you're getting a lot of responses from the salary survey. People are doing it and then reaching out to you saying, yeah, I'm interested in a new role. And that's a bit on what Craig talked about there. You know, there's this passive candidate market. And I've said this to people in the past that they say to me, you talk to an audience and say, who's actively looking for a job and five hands go up out of a hundred what does that mean? The 95 aren't looking for a job. You know, say, well, how many, if I came to you in the perfect role, how many of you would go for that? And actually everyone's hand in the room go up bar five hands because everybody's interested in a move. A lot of people I've noticed and they're sort of latent job seekers that, you know, they're not actively out there. They're not doing their CV resume. They're not, out, but they are interested in the next, next shift. What are you seeing sort of thing? I'm actually seeing an increase in passive candidates and people reaching out to me about it. And actually what's become apparent, and it started before we launched the salary survey, is that there are a lot of pockets around Europe where salary is super, super light for the length of experience and the job role. And what I've kind of found this year is that obviously last year with COVID, there wasn't any movement in salaries. And, you know, we've touched on the fact that you're not to have a job. But actually, I would say that pretty much all of the roles that I've had on this year, the salary has been a talking point and one where we've had to give advice. And actually, that's why it's great we've got the salary survey, because then we've got some raw data that actually backs up what we're advising our clients. But what I found is at sort of the analyst, senior analyst and manager level, the years of experience that people are looking for versus the salary that they're offering, it's just poles apart. And actually, it's become quite a a talking point with clients. So I think there's a lot of focus and work that needs to be done on that. So, you know, we've given advice to a couple of clients who have then sort of that's kind of prompted whole department you. view on on what salary should be I offered just jump in there because actually there's if i'm a listener today you know sometimes put myself in the listener's seat if you like and i try and do that when i do the weekly interviews with the treasurers and senior treasury professionals i'm sitting there and i'm thinking yeah yeah you you recruitment company you're doing this as a sales pitch and blah 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 and we're not we're advisors that's one of the key things we're consultants and the the practical example i want you as a listener sitting there going all right okay all right richards well the fact was craig and i were on a call with one of our clients last night the HR guys had apparently benchmarked this salary for this role, and they said it's a 52k or 52k role, and that was it. That was why. And we looked at ours, and we had this, and it was a treasury manager role. And this is the location, this is the details. And the fact was, we were then able to say, right, there is one person in our survey on 52k, and there is actually, funny enough, one treasury manager on slightly below that, and there are 18 treasury managers above 52k in our region that match this it's like 18 of them so you're not paying market rate you're paying second from bottom if you're going at 52 and it was like oh okay and and the treasurer was convinced but actually someone somewhere we don't know who or where they got the benchmarking i.e you know sometimes we know some of our rivals surveys are made up you know there's a big bug from there for me guys so i'm gonna get off my high horse i might fall off it and hurt myself but the fact is ours is real data and we can actually really prove it and then people say oh well where are you drawing and this person you know for instance who what the guy who was on 52k well where are they uh, northern scotland yeah they're not really comparable to your london salary 
And it just, I just uh, try and, and just breathe. Sorry, just breathe, move on. Anyway, so what I'm saying is, what would you say, Katie, you, you talked earlier a bit about the sort of balance with this sort of remote working, working from home, this yeah. this new world, you know, for you and and Europe and the US, you know, because we'll segue into that in a minute, which I'm saying, yeah. like, what are your thoughts? We've kind of spoken about it and discussed it, where the common questions prior to COVID was what's the role and what's the salary? And while salary, especially in Europe, still remains quite a focal point, one of the main questions I get is what's the company's policy post-COVID on remote working? And again, I've had to advise clients that, you know, it does actually heavily weigh on candidates' decisions about whether or not they're going to pursue that job opportunity. Sometimes I'm finding above what the salary is. And I think, I suppose the buzzwords at the moment is that people people are expecting companies to have a hybrid solution. So, you know, they want, candidates want to have that blend of office and home-based working. And I think the challenges that businesses are having this year, and I think will continue into next year, is whether or not they offer that freedom. And I think it's very difficult because when you've got Gen Z, if we can talk about that, that workforce population, so more at the sort of treasury analyst level, have found working from home quite difficult because they like that social interaction. It's finding that balance, whereas people that have got families and things like that have enjoyed having the working from home mm. element. So I think I did a quite a bit of research about it and, it and it's been revealed that 30% of the global workforce will be working from home on multiple days by the end of mm. this year. And that will increase over the next sort of three years to 70%. Yeah. So my advice to any business is that they've got to embrace this new trend of hybrid working because failure to do it can predict unwanted challenges in recruitment. Not definitely. It's affect your results as a company overall, so I think is. Yeah, if you don't, yeah. you're going to lose it's the talent and that's fine. And it's just like, well, you just won't recruit yeah. the people that won't be there to execute the work. Sort yeah. of thing. And I have had one client that said, you know, our policy is 100% working from the office. It's office-based. And actually, I really struggled to find people that would accept yeah. that. Well, Craig's to, to Craig was going to then pitch in. <laughs> you guys get, you know, because everyone's just bored of hearing me. Although it is my podcast, right? So you do get to hear me every week, although usually get to hear the the podcast guests because I've got better at it over 170 plus episodes of asking a question and shutting up. But now it's weird because it's you guys asking me. Craig, you wanted to kick off things or get your own back? Absolutely, absolutely. Well, I, I thought I'd ask a question that kind of impacts across different kind of industries within the treasury space because we've seen you know, over the last you know, 18, 19 months, you know, give, give, given examples here where you've had, you know, aerospace, for example, travel companies where a lot of their treasury talent has been, has been pulled or stripped away to, towards other companies such as like pharmaceuticals or fast-moving consumer goods companies who obviously have, you know, have had a bit of a knock-on benefit from, from, from all of the, from the COVID situation. How do you envisage things are going to, you know, going to swing around now, you know, given the fact that, you know, now, now most countries, you know, across Europe, Europe and in the world are now green lighted. Actually, there's quite a surge in the amount of people going away at the moment, you know, in terms of how, how do you envisage over the next year that's going to have a big swing around from a treasury um, department perspective across the industries? Well, there's one bit we'll get to go to conferences and we'll get to see people. 
I'm speaking at two conferences later this year. I was I was hopeful of actually going to see people. Treasury, it, by its very nature, is very networking orientated. Is sharing ideas. I was talking to a client just yesterday, and he talks to his competitors all the time. But the fact is, because they're in Treasury, they're not direct competitors. They're talking about Treasury and finance, and they were talking then about sharing ideas about straight through processing, and you know, not crossing borders about banking, but actually the that's one of the key things. It's actually treasury folks are very collaborative in their outlook. And that's one of the things that I am seeing going to come back, collaboration and working together and things like that. One of the other parts for me to chip in with there is is you know what has it been like? You, you know, Craig, you mentioned we've gone through this sort of the the dip, if you like, and coming out of it. A number of people, you know, certainly say for the senior, I get asked about the senior UK market. Let's just do that. And they were saying, well, what's that been like? It was horrible. Basically, there were a number of conversations going about pre-COVID back in the sort of Jan, Feb, March. Everything got then put on hold. But a lot of people postponed their retirement plans, you know, that had been on the cards for six to 12 months. And then it was like, oh, actually, I'm going to postpone them for another 12 to 18 months. Great treasury professionals in there, but actually there was this nice planned succession plan and everything else. Now, actually, we're 18 months, nearly two years later. And some now some of those people have just left, you know, that were the people that were meant to succeed them. And so they're like, oh, actually, which is great. We're getting the calls and things like that. We're also getting a number of those guys are doing this orderly transition out of it because, because they said, look, throughout COVID, I don't want to just be sitting at home and not allowed to go out anywhere, not allowed to make the most of my retirement or semi-retirement. So now we're starting to see a lot more movement. It's slow and it's planned and it's progression and that's that's happening. The key thing as well, I was going to reflect on as well, was a bit more about the US market. I know that Katie's been supporting me on that. We've That's started to really come back. You know, we've got recent placements in Texas. We're working with couple of companies in the sort of Midwest. We've got a couple of companies right on the West Coast, which are starting to eat into our uh, our evening hours and things like that. But it's actually, and we've got our lovely Ernie, who's supporting us across the US. And actually, he's got this great reputation with people. So we're starting to get lots more inbound work there. I don't know if that really sort of answered, you know, all of Craig's question there. But, you know, it's definitely a recovering market sort of thing. You know, Katie, you were going to chip in or, you know, Build on Craig's question. Yeah, I mean, I was going to sort of speak to you about what's happening in in the US market and the senior market overall. But I know that we have seen it moving a lot quicker than perhaps we thought it would. And I think people are 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 realizing that we do actually cover that area. And I think with Ernie being on board, that's kind of helped as well. It has. I think also one of the other bits, there's a real differential in some US corporates. And what I mean by that is there are some that have got, you know, like Craig reflected on there about this sort of this new world order, if you like, in a positive way of working from home, flexible working. Katie, you've alluded 30 to 70 and stuff like that. You know, one of my clients up in the top northwest of America, I won't explain too much who they are, but basically prior to pandemic, 100% working in the office, very difficult location to get to. So you had to move there to work there and everything else. Started to deal with them during the pandemic, said all 100% working from home. Oh, right. Okay. How's that affected your productivity? 
you know what, we've been surprised, Mike. Actually, it's gone up and there's much better balance. You know, we're really pleased and, you know, tick, tick, tick. I was like, wow, brilliant. So when you're going to re-recruit this role and, and it's very difficult to get to, what are you going to do afterwards? Oh, 100% back in the office. I'm like, right. What? So your productivity went up when you didn't work in the office uh, or when there was semi-flexible working. Yeah. I bet you're going to, oh, yeah, I've seen it. We were 100% back in the office. I was like, Why? And it just, there is, I still think, a lingering, you know, depending on some senior management, they've got to get their heads around it. Because unless you evolve your businesses, your businesses will suffer in these human terms. I yeah. think that's one of the bloody frustrations that I find that, you know, we try and give this advice to clients. And if they won't listen to us, that's fine. Don't listen to us. You know, but but then we can't recruit for you. Or Craig, you know, I've been talking to a couple of clients and they've started to say, oh, no, we only want to pay these rates and stuff. We're like, look, we can't support you. We don't mind, you know, trying to be flexible when we can be, if there's a commitment from both sides. But the fact is, if there's zero commitment and, you know, we're like the fourth choice, you've used LinkedIn for three months, you've used three other recruiters, and then you come to us, oh, and I want a deal on the fee. Like, why? Our, our job's 10 times harder, and it's a still a challenging, you know, market. And yet, you, yeah, we want that. No, we want to work in partnership with our clients, not, you know, against our clients in a way. Touching on US market, I know when I started supporting you, Mike, you kind of have to remember that as in America, you can't ask people what their salary is. And so it's very hard to then be able to really advise clients on what they should be paying, which again, you know, I know we've talked about our salary survey a lot, but it kind of just shows the value of it that actually now we're in a position as the raw data is coming through that we can actually advise our clients in the States around what they should be paying. We can, and also it's sort of, we understand why they're trying to redress the gender imbalance, which is why you can't ask people outright their salaries. You can ask their expectation, but not their salaries. However, there there can be a breakdown in communication. I recently you know, had a candidate earlier in the year who I knew wasn't as experienced, but was saying, I want 130. And I'm like, well, you're not going to get it, you know, because he was not that level. But I wasn't allowed to ask him his salary. Later on, he did take part in our salary survey and he was on 85. And I thought, and then at a later stage when they, he reject, they rejected him, said too junior for this role, blah, blah, blah. Well, I would accept 110. And I'm like, right, you, you know, that's a whole different person. And I'm like, right. So we, that's not our intention. What our intention is, and I refer to this on a, a webinar that is available on treasurytv.com. Go and have a look. Ernie, the mad Ernie, and I discussing. And we talked about the salary seven. It'd been giving us this superpower, if you like, that when a client comes to us, whoever it might be in the US, and they say, can you target these right candidates? We know exactly the right people to target. I don't care whether they're men, women, what their gender, what their race is and things like that. I'm going to go for the best treasury professionals, but we know which pool of people to approach and to talk to about this role. I'm not going to limit it. You know, we'll still go out to other people, but, you know, we know our targeted approach and that's our superpower. And that's why I talked about it. And that gives us this strength. So if you are a US client, you're listening or a candidate, you think, oh yeah, take part in the survey because then you know that the company representing you, us, not only have your back, but we're also, we're going to come to you with the right level of jobs. You know, we're not going to waste your time. If you're a client and recruiting, you know, we'll come with the right people with the right approximate level of experience. You know, that's what we're going to look at. And we'll be wide open about it because you as a client, we can't share necessarily that data. 
you know, what we can share, you know, we'll put forward the best candidates, but we'll look at a wider range than perhaps you might always look at. But we're going to have the right people for you. And I think that's a key thing as well. I'm going to ask each of the team just for uh, sort of their advice. We do each week, we'll put the LinkedIn details for everybody in the show notes so you can reach out and connect to us. If you haven't already, please do. What I would say is in there is, you know, what what advice would you give to people? Now, it can be, Joe, you know, you're going to look, you know, you focus predominantly on the UK market, but that can be more global, what people need to think about. Again, across to Craig and then Katie, and then I need to think about my bit. Actually, I've got one bit, but uh, luckily I've had some notes from before. So going around the circle, uh, Joe, first of all, with you, what, what piece of advice would you give to people today listening? I'd say, well, I mean, for for start, I mean, I think I definitely would target my advice, you know, mainly the the, the junior candidates. So if you are listening, people at a, at, a, at a junior level, one thing I would say is that definitely do not be disheartened if your CV comes across a little bit on the shorter side. It's to be expected. And I would absolutely encourage if you are looking to sort of beef that up and and, and to sort of to, to yeah progress generally as a treasury professional, it's a huge thing of doing exams, looking at your past, your history, your university, anything you've done in the last few years, even past roles that maybe haven't been in treasury, uh, but just have those transferable skills and make sure you target them, make sure you're getting those relevant information on the CV. You know, it can be short, but if it's concise to the point and the information on there is relevant, then put it on there. In. Right. Then, yeah, absolutely. Nice and concise from Joe. That's it before he keeps going because he could... Uh... Great, great, great to have a pint with and have a chat with. But anyway, let's move on. Mr. Perkins, Greg Perkins, uh, your piece of advice, kill, kill a bit of advice for some of those people out there. Do you know what? I would say, in all honesty, getting in touch. If you've been in your role two, three, four years, or, or you're, you're looking for a change, you're engaged on an interim assignment, it'd be great to obviously kind of have a conversation because what it, Ultimately, it's it's our, our our job, our responsibility, if you like, to keep an eye on the market for you. And as long as we know what kind of things you're looking for, whether it be now, six months, a year away, we can put things on on your radar. It, it it's tricky to do that if we don't know around your circumstance. And it's not so much. I know a lot of people, you know, on the other side of the fence from us will think we, we don't want to be in a position where we're dropping dropping people a phone call because we've got something that we're supporting a client on. We'd love to know about your situation well ahead of time even if you're not looking now you know considering a move in the next six months to a year let, let us know because something might just crop up but maybe a little bit sooner than that and we'd love to be able to drop you a call first we'd love to do yeah. that and it's just it's just planning ahead really ultimately it's, it's within our interest to keep you in mind for things that we genuinely think would be of interest to yourself so taking yeah. that step you know you, you, you're not you don't make a commitment to it to accept a role by speaking to us about it all we want to do is open up a door uh, allow you to take a step through it and, and and see if it's the right fit so yeah get in touch that'd be my advice okay and katie over to you for me, it's it's slightly different. I would say that, you know, people need to focus on keep on developing themselves and taking ownership for their development. So not expecting new responsibilities or to sort of just fall on, on their lap. You know, if you want to grow within your treasury career, you need to take ownership for it and find ways to develop your, yourself within your current business or within a new business. Nice and concise, loving that. And actually, um, could I could I cut you quickly? Just follow on from from what Katie was just yeah, saying. There. I just wanted to say, you know, just touching upon obviously from what I was talking about in terms of CVs. I think it is important to mention as well. I think the way just people view their CVs sometimes, even just at its very core, can be can be you know I'd say just 
incorrect, really. You know, I think people see CVs as a very static document. And I think it's important to see it as something that's fluid, something that's constantly changing. You know, there's no harm in sort of looking at your CV every every month or two. And even, you know, things pop into your head, kind of add them on to there constantly. Like I say, it's fluid. It's constantly changing. It should be something that you're that you're always sort of looking into and constantly always trying to make those improvements on, even if it's just sort of 1%, you know, that 1% every every month or so, every week, whatever it is, you know, that, that, that'll, that'll add up over time. And when the time does come that you do want to make that move, you've got this document. Like I say, it's been fluid. You've been constantly adding to it. It's a very up-to-date profile of who you are. So the closing piece of advice actually that I would give is, is actually based on a an article that I wrote a number of years ago where I try to get clients to think about the candidates. And we're all doing this as a, a group today. And we've got, you've had some amazing advice on the show. The article I wrote, it, you know, it's not about you anymore. It's about them. And what we were talking about is coming at it from your candidate's point of view, about why would they want to join you? I recently spoke to a US very large automotive group. I wonder who. There's a few of them. And I was talking to one of their senior leaders. He was actually over in Germany at the time. And one of the key things, I said, you've done this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and the company helps me and I've moved around. I've got a global career. And I said, do you know what? And I'm reading this advert for your job, for one of the jobs you're recruiting. Yeah, he said, says nothing about that. So it shows me nothing about that, that this advert you've written doesn't, you know, sell this job to me. You've got to, I think that's what, you know, all of our clients, we we help them and coach them about how they're going to attract people. How are they going to sell? What's the real intrinsic value to someone? Sit in that candidate's point of view, put yourself in their shoes. That's the key thing to walk away with today. Sit with your coffee as you listen today and think, Take all the advice from everyone, from Joe, from Craig, from Katie, from myself, hopefully. Put yourself in their shoes and then and then you're going to be successful. So that's it, me closing. Thanks, everyone. You've been absolute superstars. Thank you for your advice today. These guys are going to get great yeah. from it. Take part in the salary survey. Go to the website. Do all the other stuff. And that's it, me done. Pleasure. All the best. Take care. Thanks, Thanks everyone. Thank you. Cheers. Hello, it's Mike here again. I hope you enjoyed this week's show. If you did, then maybe you want to follow the show or subscribe, depending on where you listen, whether that's iTunes, Spotify, or another great place to listen to the show from. It's totally free and means that you'll be the first to see each and every week when we release a new show. And maybe whilst you're there, you could even leave a quick review. Reviews and ratings are among the most important metrics for a podcast to effectively rank. And as you can probably appreciate, the podcast is a lot of hard work to produce every week, That'd be amazing. Just take, say, 20 seconds, leave a quick review of my amazing guests and their great career stories. We'd really appreciate it. Thanks very much, and I can't wait to see you soon.